NFL playoffs are here, and I'm here for it. Welcome to the latest edition of the talk show. In this episode, I talk about the teams, the games, the whole wild card round. I break it all down. Who can move on to the divisional round? Who can make a Super Bowl run? And who can ultimately win it all? I even threw in a little bit NFL awards. I talked some NBA right at the top. I did that just for you. All that and a whole lot more is coming up. It starts right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Fanatics. That's where I get all my favorite sports gear. You don't see it now, but I'm wearing a Rangers jersey today. Where did I get that jersey? I got it at Fanatics. Fanatics is the best place to get any teams, any players, any leagues, all the gear, all the jerseys, all the sweatshirts, caps, all that stuff. I wear that stuff all day, like I've said, and I get it at Fanatics. So if you want 25% off your next order, go to podgo.co slash fanatics. Get it now. Get it done. NFL playoffs are here. It's the most wonderful time. And this year, it's better than ever. Six games this weekend, a new team in each conference. This is the way it should be. Only the number one seed gets the bye week. And after that, everyone's got to fight it out. It's going to be a really fun playoffs, especially this weekend with all the games. It's so much fun. I can't wait to break it all down, get into it. But first, we got to talk about something. And that something is the Knicks. I don't know how long it's going to last, so I got to talk about it now. I could do five episodes about the Knicks, but this episode is about NFL playoffs, so I'm just going to throw it in right at the beginning here. Enjoy it. That's all I got to say. If you're a Knicks fan, you got to enjoy it. Is this who this team really is? I don't know. But Julius Randle is playing out of his mind. Mitchell Robinson is playing 40 minutes and only picking up one or two fouls per game, which is crazy. R.J. Barrett seems to be growing, and even though he has some off-shooting nights, he's improving. And the other areas of his game are not struggling when his jump shot's struggling. They're playing defense. They're playing hard. And it comes back to Tom Thibodeau. He has this team bought in to whatever he's doing. And they said this at the beginning of the year. When you play the Knicks, you're not going to get a night off. No matter what happens, whether we can shoot, whether we can score, whether we're having a terrible game, a great game, we're going to play our butts off. And you see that they've been down in the last couple of games and they just come back because they never give up on this coach. They never give up on this team. They always feel like they're in a game. Last night, it was Austin Rivers who saved them. He came off the bench. People don't remember because he came off the bench in the second quarter when it started to get out of hand and he kept it close, close being, you know, a 15 point game and not a 25 point game. And then he exploded in the fourth. Austin Rivers is the savior. His attitude from day one has been insane. Every single day, he's talking about, hey, we need to improve. We're working hard. I didn't want to come to a place that's already the place. I want to come to a place to make it the place. I want to be that guy who turns this around. All the things he's saying, Nick fans have got to be loving it, eating it up. And as a Nick fan myself, I'm loving it. And go look on Nick's Twitter. Go look on all these things. Nick fans are going nuts. And people who say that this isn't going to last and all that, Knicks fans have every right to be excited. Whether it's real or not, it doesn't matter. The Knicks have never been this good in my lifetime. Well, that's not true. But the point is, the last time they were this good is eight years ago, I think. And you have every right to be very, very excited about this Knicks team. Now, are there some concerns? Of course, there are some concerns. But you look up and down the roster. Everyone's playing hard. Everyone's fighting. That's awesome. That's so great. And it's unexpected. And by the way, Take notes, Jet fans. 
this is how you build a winning culture. You don't build a winning culture by losing, 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 and then maybe you'll get one player. You got to bring in the right coach, bring in the people who want to work hard, who want to be there, who want to play hard, who want to be winners, whether they got the talent to do it or not, and create a culture, create a mindset. And that's what the Knicks have done. And whether it lasts, whether that could win them 40 games, I don't think so. But while it's working, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to be fully, fully invested. I do have concerns and I want to voice them. Now, again, I said enjoy it and I am enjoying it. I'm going to enjoy it as long as it lasts. But I think I still am responsible enough to voice some concerns that I have. And they are as follows. This is not Julius Randle. Julius Randle is playing like an MVP. He's putting up LeBron James type numbers. The stats here, he has more points than AD, Kawhi, and Booker. He's averaging more rebounds than Giannis, more assists than Luka, Ben Simmons, and he's tied with LeBron. He's shooting better from three than Steph Curry and Duncan Robinson. And he's younger than Pascal Siakam and Karis LeVert. How young is he? He's 26. He's been in the league now for probably six or seven, eight years. And this has, isn't who he's been during those eight years. Now, I get it. People break out. Some players break out later. Watching him play, I don't know if he's. this is a breakout or if this is just a hot stretch. It's hard to tell because he has plays and moments during every game that are mind-numbingly stupid. Now, listen, when they don't have to run the entire offense through him, he looks better. The fact that they have a point guard like Emmanuel Quickly, a point guard like Austin Rivers, who can run the offense and score, Definitely helps Julius Randle look a lot, lot better. He gets it. It's one dribble, two dribble, and he's making a decision. It's not him holding the ball for too long. He's not LeBron James, though. These numbers are an incredibly hot streak. This isn't who he's been in his career. I don't think he'll continue to be this. The Knicks, to win games, need him to continue to be this. Now, to win about like 25, 30 games this year, which is what I predicted they'd do. No, they don't need him to be this. But if they're going to actually win and do anything, the question becomes, do you want to build around this player? Is, he's the, is he the player for the future? Or is he just a trade piece? And I think he's more of a trade piece. But hey, he's brought value to the team. He's brought a mentality to the team that has really set a tone for everyone else. I think if there was a player that you're going to trade whose market is definitely going up, that would be Alfred Payton. You have the point guards now with Austin Rivers and with Emmanuel quickly. And I think even you throw in Frank Nilakina if he's healthy, which brings me to my next point. Everyone's getting hurt. Everyone's getting run down. That's the thing about Tibbs. Everyone talks about Tibbs' teams. Um, he plays his guys a crazy amount of minutes. We see he only has an eight-man rotation the last couple of nights. And granted, everyone's hurt. Like three or four rotation guys are hurt. But that's what happens with him. Guys get hurt. Um. He plays them 40 minutes. He plays them hard. I get it. They're NBA players. They're conditioned for this. But guys are getting hurt. You see it with Alec Burks. You see Obi Toppin, Frank Nilakina. These guys are getting hurt. And it's a little bit concerning because that has been. This is not just with the Knicks. This has been an issue with Tom Thibodeau teams in general. But hey, I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. And they said they might sign Taj Gibson. They had him last year. I love Taj Gibson. Yeah, bring him back. And he's a Tibbs guy. So he'll bring fight to this team. He's the type of guy that on a team like this, that just shows passion and fight every single night, he's going to be so much fun. And they need help with big men, with Noel Hurt and Obi Toppin Hurt. 
Speaking of Obi Toppin, we don't know what he's going to be. And we don't know if this team has enough talent. But when Alec Burks comes back and Obi Toppin comes back, I think the team gets better. Alec Burks can really shoot. As opposed to really anyone else on this team, he's a real good jump shooter, which they need. That can make this team significantly better. So I'm excited to see what happens when Alex Burks gets back. Obi Toppin, we don't know what he is yet. I still think the Knicks should have taken Halliburton, and he's proving it. He looks like he's the steal of the first round of the draft. Tyrese Halliburton on the Kings looks incredible. And so we'll see if ultimately Obi Toppin lives up to the selection that they took him in the draft. Maybe a guy like Taj Gibson would help him. But back to Halliburton for a second. That looks like the steal of the draft. He looks excellent. So the Knicks needed a guard. Obviously, the guard play looks good now. The other thing about the Knicks is the garden. The garden would be popping right now. The place would be going nuts. The roof would be coming down. And I said something on Twitter the other day. It kind of sucks because if the Knicks keep this up or at least keep up this energy and are good enough throughout the year, the only thing it's going to do is give Dolan the right to raise tickets even higher than they currently are next year when fans are allowed because people are going to be so eager to get in to see the Knicks. And that really sucks that this is all going to benefit Dolan in the end, the guy who we feel as a franchise, as a fan base, has screwed us for the last 20 years. So that kind of sucks. But I'm going to be running to buy tickets when they're available. The Knicks are so much fun. Wouldn't want to miss any of that. Once I'm here talking about basketball, other places in the league, the Phoenix Suns have been the most fun team to watch, in my opinion. They move the ball better than anyone I've ever seen. They beat Toronto last night. Toronto's only win came against the Knicks, which is concerning for Toronto. But then again, who knows how good Pascal Siakam is? I don't think he's that good. Maybe he's overrated. Who knows? Not the point. The point is that Toronto's look bad, but Phoenix has looked so much fun. And Nick fans who wanted Chris Paul, I get it. Chris Paul looks great. But the Knicks weren't ready for that. The Knicks don't have the talent around Chris Paul that Phoenix was able to provide him with. And they look incredible. All these young players are coming together because of a veteran like Chris Paul. So they obviously made the right decision to get Chris Paul when they got him. Good move by them. Good move by the Knicks not going for it. The other team that I said would be great this year, and I picked kind of as my MVP favorites, I said Devin Booker of Phoenix, and I said Jason Tatum in Boston. Those are like my underrated X-Factor kind of sleeper MVP picks. Boston's won a lot of close games this year. They've done it without Kemba Walker. They look, they've looked good. And Jason Tatum is taking big shots and big spots and making them. So Jason Tatum, I stand by it. He's making me look good. Steph Curry is a guy who I said was kind of a sleeper for MVP. And here's the interesting thing that's happening with him. So he scored the 62 points. He's like, hey, you guys were talking about me. Look, I could still do it. I don't think the point is whether he can do it or not. We know he can do it. He's freaking Steph Curry. He's one of the greatest shooters of all time, probably the greatest shooters, shooter of all time. And he's a transcendent player. He changed the league probably more than LeBron did. When he's on, he dominates like nobody else, but he chooses when he wants to be on and when he doesn't want to be on. And the same goes for Steve Kerr. It's not fair that Steve Kerr can be like, oh, I don't feel like coaching this year because I don't have an all-star caliber team. I don't know what a good coach he is if, when he doesn't have the best players in the world, he's terrible. And people should call him out for that. I think he deserves to be called out for that. He should coach. Yeah, you should coach to win, even though your team isn't perfect. You have James Wiseman. He's a good young player. You have a couple other young pieces who look really good in this offense. And guess what? Steph Curry could be the greatest player in the league right now. 
if he decides to turn it on, I'd like to see him try and turn it on consistently for the rest of the season. He could drop 60 every night and it would make it, he would make it look easy. So I'd love to see that. But it's all about the Knicks. It's all about the Knicks. And guess what? It's all about the Knicks being better than the Nets. Knicks fans who are trolling Net fans on Twitter, not that Net fans exist. That's the craziest part. I've always said this about the Nets. They're getting so much national media attention, but nobody in New York cares about them because there are no Nets fans. Everyone's a Knicks fan in New York. It's a basketball city and it's a Knicks city. But for all the Net fans out there who see this and are like, oh, we'll be better. Listen, Knicks, you have every right to do this while you're fun, while you're good. Nick fans go crazy. But the Nets will be back. KD missed a couple game winners. He's not missing those all the time. Kyrie needs to shoot less in the fourth quarter. KD needs to shoot more. He'll be back soon after COVID. He didn't have COVID, but he's exposed. And the Nets are going to be really, really good. Whether they can make a deep playoff run or not, I don't know. But they're going to win 45, 50 games in the 72-game season. So don't worry, Net fans. <laughs> They'll be good. But Nick fans, while you're better than them, enjoy it while it lasts. All right, let's take a break, talk about Anchor, and then it's all football. Now what you all came for, what I came for. This is what I'm here for, NFL playoffs. It's what it's all about. The whole football season culminates in this. This year, it's 14 teams, one Super Bowl victory on the line. I figured I'd make it like intense like that. I talk about 14 teams, one winner. Who will it be? Well... It starts this week with six games. We got the new added one o'clock games, which is fun. I'm going to start with the AFC. I'm going to talk about the playoff teams in both conferences and then talk about the schedule and a couple other things that I'll throw in along the way. But let's start with the AFC. The AFC, in my opinion, seems kind of wide open. Nobody knows who's going to win in in the AFC or the NFC either. But I'm starting with the AFC because I thought Buffalo was dominant from day one. Buffalo looked really good after a couple of bad games by Josh Allen where he made some mistakes. He made some poor throws. His accuracy wasn't great. His accuracy improved, which never happens with quarterbacks. Usually they say either you're accurate or you're not. He's accurate and he wasn't always accurate. So that's pretty impressive from Josh Allen. But him as a whole, he makes such good decisions in that team as a whole. And here's the thing about Buffalo. People are like, well, they can't win. Look what he did last year in the playoffs. You're really going to take him. There's always that fluke team that looks good during the regular season then gets steamrolled when the real games come around. That was last year. This year, they're legit. There's always that one team that's like, oh my God, they're in the Super Bowl now. We should have known. I said that earlier in the year about Buffalo, and I'm still saying it about Buffalo. Only now there are stats to back it up. Buffalo has the second to least punts of all time in a 16-game season. They also have had 20 plus first downs in every single game. The only other team to do that was the Patriots in 2012. So this is a really, really good team. We're talking about a special kind of good team offensively, defensively. They play with fire. Josh Allen has become a leader. Stephon Diggs might be the best receiver in the league. They won that trade. Justin Jefferson is great. Both teams did great in that trade because Diggs wanted out. So Buffalo got their guy and Minnesota got that guy out and got a new receiver who's going to be great for years to come on a cheaper deal. Good for them. Good for both teams. But this Buffalo team is real. And you know how I know they're real? 
Because this is what happens with good teams at the end of the season. The last few weeks, they don't just win games. But they beat the crap out of teams. Every single game, Buffalo is coming out there looking insane. Look what they did this past week to Miami. Miami had something to play for. Buffalo didn't really have anything to play for, like the two seed, but they already knew that Pittsburgh wasn't really going to be playing. They came out there in the first half, absolutely dominated, and then put all their backups in in the second half and still dominated. So it's just crazy. So Buffalo is that good. They could go all the way. Now, it's funny because the first week, their matchup is against Indianapolis. Now, Indianapolis is the team that Bill Simmons calls nobody believes in us team. The team that's like, hey, where's our damn respect? And then they come out and they look really good. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, they happen to have been really good all year. They're 11 and 5. I just think Philip Rivers is too old to carry a team at this point. Not that he would have to carry this team. The team's kind of been carrying him kind of like Peyton Manning in his last year. But they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So anything's possible. Frank Reich's a good coach. That's a good running game. Good defense. Really good defense. So we'll see what happens. That's the first game. If Buffalo comes out and they look incredible then we'll know. But can I see Indianapolis beating them? Maybe. Let's move over to Pittsburgh and Cleveland. Probably the least appealing game of all the games this weekend. Pittsburgh's fallen off a cliff. Although they almost beat Cleveland last week. I doubt they showed their whole playbook. Mike Tomlin's a smart guy. He's a smart coach. He's not showing his whole playbook to a team that he knows he's playing the next week in the playoffs. And Ben didn't play. The starters didn't play. We'll see what happens. If James Conner can run the ball, then great. If they choose not to run the ball, then they might not win this game. Cleveland could have a chip on their shoulder also. Be like, hey, we're here. We're actually good. But I think Cleveland's just fooling themselves. They made the playoffs. The only thing that's going to do is for long Baker Mayfield's career as a Cleveland Brown. They're going to give him a contract now. And he has every right. He earned it. He played really well this year. But I don't think he's the guy. I don't think he's it. And I think we'll see that in the playoff game. But he's still going to get that contract. So Cleveland, I think, will lose. They don't have their coach. Kevin Stefanski's out because of COVID. So there's a lot of obstacles in the way for Cleveland. I think Pittsburgh will win that game. Again, very unappealing game. I'll watch it, of course, NFL playoffs, but not excited about it. I said this about Baltimore a couple episodes ago. Baltimore's hot. Hot in the NFL when it comes to the playoffs is better than good. The hot team generally goes on a run. We saw it with the Titans last year. We saw it with Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. We've seen this before. The hot team goes on a run. Now, Baltimore's got a lot of talent. Can they run to the Super Bowl? Maybe. We know they haven't beaten Kansas City, especially in Kansas City. But we'll get to Kansas City in a second. This week, Baltimore has a rematch with the Tennessee Titans. And the Titans will probably talk a big game, and they're going to run a ton with Henry. Henry got the 2,000 yards. It's incredible. And Baltimore hasn't had to play a team that good the last few weeks. There hasn't really been a great team that Baltimore beat. Yeah, they beat Cleveland, but they gave up 40 points to Cleveland. A team that scored, what, 20 points, barely, 24 points against Pittsburgh's backups. So Baltimore hasn't won any crazy good games, and now they have to go into Tennessee. But I really think they could win in Tennessee, especially this year. Tennessee's defense sucks. It's just not good. It's not what it was last year. They can try and run the whole game and play D, but it doesn't work if your D can't play D. You can't dominate the game with the running game if your defense stinks. And this year, I think Tennessee's defense stinks. So do I see a scenario where Tennessee wins again? It's the same similar type of game to last year, similar type of game to the game earlier this year. They played against each other, maybe. But I think Baltimore will win. It's hard to beat a a team the third time. That's what always happens. The third straight time, 
usually the team that lost the first two, if a team lost the first two, comes back and wins. Beyond that, I don't know for Baltimore. Because again, who have they played? And if they win, they'd probably have to go to KC right away. Can they win in KC? Which brings me to my KC point. The Kansas City Chiefs might be the most impossible team to figure out. In this entire playoff scheme, system, layout. Who are the Chiefs? I think when the Chiefs play and they decide that they want to turn it on, they can beat any team. They're the best team in the league. When they turn it on, there's no one that can beat them or even come close. We saw that last year on the Super Bowl run. We saw it earlier in this season. The problem is, they don't seem to care to turn it on that often. Even last year on the playoff run, they were down in the Super Bowl. They were down to the Texans. They were down in every game last year. And they're like, okay, fine. Let's put it together and let's crush them. You can't live on the edge like that anymore. The Packers had a year where they did that. They kept going down to teams and then came back. And then finally, they went down to Atlanta to the Falcons in the NFC Championship game. And they couldn't come back. They tried to fight back. They put up a bunch of points, but they couldn't win. This team is better than that Packer team. And I don't know who that Falcons would be in the AFC this year. Maybe Buffalo, maybe Baltimore. But I could totally see Kansas City losing in the first round of the playoffs to Baltimore because they let them get a 15-0 lead. And then it's like, oh, let's turn it on. And now Lamar Jackson's running all over the place. Especially a team like Baltimore, that when you give them a lead, that's when they're comfortable. They play with the lead. They're uncomfortable playing from behind. I don't know if Kansas City can spot them a two-touchdown lead early in the game. That's definitely not the way to go. That's definitely not the way to try and win this game. So Kansas City, if they choose to turn it on, if they sit there during this bye week and Andy Reid says, guys, listen, you guys got to turn it on. You guys got to hit that on switch. They will win the Super Bowl again. But who knows if they're going to do that? And if I was betting, I wouldn't be able to bet either way because I have no idea what we're going to see. I really don't. And it's impossible to predict if you ask me. Would I, would I be surprised if they just absolutely crushed every single team and won the Super Bowl again? I think no one would be surprised. Would you be surprised if they lost in the first round that they played to Baltimore or whoever they play? Maybe even the Browns? No, I wouldn't be surprised. It's crazy. That's how crazy it is with the Chiefs. They're so all over the place. And it's all because when they it, it's unclear what their mindset is. It's unclear what their goals are. What they're trying to do. And they're a young team. They probably think, hey, we got plenty of time. We could win at any point. It's weird. Let's move over to the NFC. My prediction for the NFC championship game is Green Bay against Tampa Bay. Now, the only way for Tampa Bay to not have to go to Lambeau in the second round of the playoffs is if either LA or Chicago wins, which I think is possible. I think both LA and Chicago are both going to win. I think Chicago is going to go into New Orleans and beat the Saints. The Saints are always have that playoff disappointing loss. They've had it the last few years. I think they're going to do it again. And I think finally Drew Brees is going to retire. I would love to see Drew Brees go on a run and actually win the Super Bowl. But he's not as good as he's been the last two years. He's worse. He's hurt. I think Chicago has a chip on their shoulder also. I think they could go in and win. They have a good defense. They can get after the quarterback. Trubisky, I'm a Trubisky truther. I think they can actually win. LA, why do I think they can win? Sean McVay is pretty smart. Seattle hasn't looked good at all. Aaron Donald's going to dominate that game. I don't care who's playing quarterback for LA because Seattle's defense stinks. So whoever's playing quarterback, they'll put up enough points to beat Seattle if their defense is incredible. And I think LA's defense will be incredible. And then we get the rematch. 
LA goes to Tampa and we get Tom Brady versus Aaron Donald again. Last time LA won. And I think Tom Brady will come back and beat them. And that's how we'll get the green Bay versus Tampa Bay NFC championship game. Of course, I'm assuming green Bay will beat Chicago, which they will. So that's what I have here. That's what can happen. That's what I'm predicting is going to happen. Now, can Seattle and New Orleans both win? Yeah, they can win. They can go on a run. They can win the Super Bowl. Either of those teams. They have the talent to do it. I just don't have the confidence in them that they can do it. They haven't instilled that confidence in me by the way they've played the last couple of weeks. Seattle's looked bad now since maybe week 10. And New Orleans, since Breeze got hurt, we don't know. Because maybe he comes back and now he's healthy and they open up the full playbook. We've seen that before. But they always have those disappointing playoff losses. I don't know. Last year in the playoffs, they didn't look good at all in that game. So again, like the AFC, the NFC is wide open. Because I could see either of those teams going on a run. And then the whole thing gets scrambled. Because then Tampa Bay will have to go to Lambeau in the second round of the playoffs. Can they win in the second round coming off of beating Washington? Now, Washington, the one thing that Washington has, because I'll talk about Washington for a second, because no one's taking them seriously. No one thinks they can win. They have Chase Young. Chase Young can get after the quarterback. That's great. That's what Tom Brady is not great against. He gets happy feet when there's great pass rushers. They have a really good front seven. But Washington can't score points. Alex Smith is a great story. Not a great quarterback anymore. He can't move at all. He's scared to hold the ball for longer than a second. He just dumps it off the first screen or dump off he sees that's where he passes it so while it's an incredible story and i wish i wish he was great i wish he could go on a run it would be so cool but i don't see it happening and especially not against tom brady and the bucks now the bucks speaking of them can go on a run to the super bowl as well they really turned it on at the end of the year like i said hot teams that's what happens the hot team at the end of the year tom brady he's got the most experience he's gone to the most super bowls antonio brown looks like he's turned it on and green bay also Green Bay is who I would expect to go to the Super Bowl. They've been the best all year. They've had some disappointing playoff performances in the past, though. So maybe that comes back. Like I said, NFC wide open. Really four teams I could see going far. Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, and Tampa can all make it to the Super Bowl. So it should be really, really fun. Let's talk about something I don't know if anyone cares about. I want to talk about NFL awards for a second. I don't think anyone really cares. But there are a few awards that are kind of interesting this year. The first one is Defensive Player of the Year. I think it should go to Aaron Donald. There have been guys who have gotten the most interceptions or done other things. I think Aaron Donald is the Defensive Player of the Year, and he's the best player in the league. Not just the best defensive player in the league. The best player in the league. And it would be fun for the best player in the league to get an award. So I really hope he wins that. Now, the Offensive Player of the Year is very interesting. Stephon Diggs led the league in yards, which is fun. Receiving yards, that is. Derrick Henry had an insane year. And Travis Kelsey was second in yards. So if Travis Kelsey is second in yards, how can you not give it to Diggs, right? Well, Travis Kelsey's a tight end. He blocks. He does so many things on that offense. He makes that offense work in a lot of ways. So maybe you do give it to Kelsey. But if you're having a Kelsey-Diggs debate, then you're just like, wait, there's the guy over there. He has 2,000 yards. Maybe just give him the Offensive Player of the Year because he's freaking Derrick Henry. And once you're giving him the Offensive Player of the Year, maybe you decide, hey, it's the year of the running back. He did what only seven other running backs could do. He got 2,000 yards. He's the MVP. He makes that team work. When Tannehill 
fakes the handoff to him, he runs for a thousand yards. That's because of Derrick Henry. When their defense, which is bad, gets to sit on the sideline for most of the game, that's because of Derrick Henry. He is the most valuable player. So I think he threw himself into the race for the MVP. So I've always talked about Rodgers. I talked about Rodgers all year. And I think Rodgers is the favorite. Allen's the most hyped. But maybe Henry will win it. So those two awards are really interesting. Now, the comeback player of the year is Alex Smith. And that's going to be the most amazing story. And people are going to be crying. It's unbelievable. And he deserves to win it. In any other year, though, Ben Roethlisberger would win it. Ben came back from some devastating injuries and has looked really good this year. So good for Ben. All right, now the moment I've all been waiting for picking the games. Now, I don't claim to be a picks expert, so you could either follow my lead or not. Here's the rule that you need to know about picking games in the playoffs. If you're going to pick a team, you got to know that they can win. That's what they say. If you're picking a team, trust that they can win because the lines mean a lot less in the playoffs. I don't know why it's like that. That's just what history has shown. And I'm going to go in order of the games. So let's start with Saturday and the one o'clock game. I got Buffalo minus six and a half. Buffalo is hosting the Colts. And this is the statement game like I talked about. I think Buffalo will come out there and absolutely crush them. That's my pick. It's minus six and a half. I think they could win by 15 points, 14 points, two touchdowns at least. That'll be fun. The next game is the 440 game. And it's LA against Seattle. Seattle is favored by minus three and a half. And I like LA. I like them to win the game. And I like them to cover if they don't win the game. So like I said, I'm only going to take a team if I think they can win outright. I think LA can win outright, and I think they'll definitely cover that spread. The new inserted game, the Saturday night game. We never had a Saturday night game in the past, but there's an 815 game now, and it's Tampa Bay going to Washington. The line is huge. I don't love the line. It's minus eight. Here's why I don't love the line. Because I think Tampa Bay can go up, and I think they could take their foot off the gas a little bit and kind of calm down, maybe not go as hard. So maybe they won't put up like 30, 40 points. Or maybe they'll be like, hey, we're here to stay. So I am taking Tampa because I don't think Washington can win. And I don't think Washington could put up more than like 12 points in this game. So the line is not too crazy. I could see Tampa winning 24 to 10. We'll see what happens. The new one o'clock Sunday game. One o'clock on Sunday. It's Baltimore against Tennessee. Baltimore going into Tennessee is getting three and a half points, minus three and a half points. People do like Baltimore. People see, hey, Baltimore's hot. But I'm taking Baltimore. They've been hot. They've been better than Tennessee. And I think they'll go in there and win by more than three points. Next is Chicago in New Orleans. The line is huge. Whether you think Chicago's going to win, and I think they are going to win, take the points. Nine and a half points. The Saints are minus nine and a half. That's a huge line. I think Chicago can go in there, maybe even win. But definitely make it close, keep it close. I don't think New Orleans has the offense to run away with this game. They have the defense to keep it close. Chicago also does. I think it'll be a close game. And the night game, Pittsburgh against Cleveland. It's a divisional game. I guess that's why it's a Sunday nighter. I told you I had zero interest in this game. It's kind of funny that this is the marquee Sunday night NFL playoffs matchup. But it's minus six. I don't love this line. I would never bet this game. I could see this game being like last week a two, four-point game, three-point game, and being close the whole time. I don't like either of these teams. I think whichever one of these teams wins will just get bounced in the next round. But it is Pittsburgh minus six, and I told you I think Pittsburgh will win this game. I don't see a path for Cleveland to win this game. So I would never bet this game, but I'm just using the rule here. Which team do I think is going to win? I think Pittsburgh's going to win. Do I like the minus six? I hate the minus six, but I'm taking Pittsburgh because I think they'll win this game. 
All right, that's my picks, and that's the episode. I'll see you guys after the playoffs. Got tons of stuff planned for next week. Another cool interview I did. That's all coming up. If you didn't hear my interview with Brian Hoke, go back and listen to it. Look out on my social media, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. Check it out. Um, But look out for all my videos that I do. I do those short clips. I should have some short clips from the interview with Brian Hoke coming out soon. That'll be really fun. Maybe I'll even post the whole interview unedited, uncut on YouTube. That would be super cool. So check all that stuff out. It's really fun. Here's some Jovi. See ya. Can't go